Let's go. What up? It's uh, it's another Brigham Young Money. What's going on, guys? Hello, boys. <laughs> Kyle here. Who's with us? Got Jordan here as well. Just uh, just uh, thinking about a good day of posting. It's been a real a real veteran of the posting war today. Jordan's got to tell us about like what's been going on and who he's been fighting with. Greg, what's going on with you, my my man? I think you uh, were pre-COVID test last week, and now uh, you've come you've come out alive and negative. I have in in what is a devastating blow to the haters and losers. <laughs> the entire family has tested negative for the Rona. So yeah, I'm just alive and thriving. It's your boy. It's Greg, yeah. aka A Cab Rocky. Greg, I'm, I'm glad to see you're okay, but I made shirts and wristbands and everything. <laughs> what what the fuck are we going to do with all that merch we got? I I don't know. Dude, that sucks. You can put it right next to your Live Strong bands. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. And uh, you're the better person because I don't think you've cheated on Shania Twain. Um, let's see. So, um, what's going on? What's, uh, Jordan, tell us about, tell us quickly about what's been going on with you and Twitter today. Oh, well, I just, I saw something by, uh, Charlotte Clymer, who's, uh, pretty much one of the worst accounts on Twitter. (laughs) I mean, there's no other way to put it. She's fuck off. (laughs) Yeah. She's on the quote near a defense squad, which should tell you everything you know about. Were they, wait, they actually called it that they said that. Oh yeah. It was, it was like a bunch of like people who work for cap somehow like in like liberal, like lanyard culture in DC. So great people, you know, I'm sure it's like a conversation. If you're in, you wouldn't immediately look for like something high to jump off of. Dude. That's so funny. Vic burger. And I, I was in like Vic burgers replies one time, or I can't, I can't remember if that's what happened. All I know is Vic burger and, and I were, were fighting against two cap people like deep in the replies of something. And like, I was kind of pretending to like, not really know who Nero was to, to this girl who really liked cap and then one who ended up working for cap and i can't remember which thing i brought up which awful thing that nira did um but they're like with their current public spokesperson there are too many to I choose it, from yeah i think it was the libya thing um in those you emails mean the, you mean the time where she was like emailing the clinton uh, hillary clinton saying hey after we knock over Gaddafi, do you think we could sell the oil for just to make a profit for us yeah, uh, those open air slave markets definitely weren't enough uh, torture for Libya, so we might as well extract all their oil too and uh, sell that. <sighs> anyway, Cap's awesome. So Cap's awesome. So I to give a little more context about who Charlotte Clymer is too. She's also an army veteran, but every single time she talks about military service, something like that, she sounds exactly like Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver yes she'll just sound like i was trained to kill i know how to shoot the wings off a fly at 400 meters so don't cross me sweetie (laughs) every single time and i got blocked by her finally because i just went like she was posing something was like i went to sand hill at fort benning i i know what i'm doing like I also did that, and I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So <laughs> she she was in a lot of heat. She was in a lot of hot water today because she's been amplifying one the Lincoln Project, which I have seen a lot of good faith good faith liberals fall victim to their bullshit. So um, Charlotte Clymer, famous for also hating Bernie Sanders and being really really upset when they amplified joe rogan's endorsement of bernie sanders today she was tweeting out a video of ronald reagan speaking about like that a lincoln 
project video drew comparisons from Reaganism to Trumpism as if this, there's not a through line, but also Charlotte Clymer was amplifying a Ronald Reagan clip. So clearly cares a lot about uh, that type of thing. And, and even beyond that too, it's like the project Lincoln people are some of the worst human beings on the planet. Like yep. uh, Rick Wilson got to start like doing Giuliani's campaign for mayor in like 1994 which was the most like race baiting campaign ever. It's you, not you only that, but wasn't he hired by Dick Cheney in the Bush administration? He worked in the Department of Defense when Dick Cheney was Secretary of Defense under the Hell yeah. So yeah. Yeah, you're getting a great start. Super good guy. Um so he's also like ran campaigns for Bush and for like he was I think he was also one of the people on like Saxby Chambliss's campaign against uh Max Cleland, who is a triple amputee from Vietnam. And in that campaign, they pretty much called Max Cleland a terrorist. So, yep. oh, you got these your are people blown off in Vietnam. <clears throat> Pussy. Yep. Yeah, they basically are made up of all the people who are just as racist, but like don't like Donald Trump. Like these people were have all the same. Like how many of them have have tweets about Trayvon Martin <laughs> that have been oh. dug up? Ben Howe wrote an entire article about how he'd shoot Mike Brown in the face. Oh, yeah. That was super, super normal. Um, who wrote that really good article about them? I'm trying to remember. Um, I think it was Brendan James, actually. No, I... I oh, it's it's in Vanity Fair. Um, was it Brendan James that wrote that? Oh, I think Brendan James did some stuff for, like, TPM back in the day on, like, Ben Howe's, like... Oh, Caleb e. Karma in Vanity Fair wrote an article... Um, talking about rick wilson and george conway and the rest of the people who make up the lincoln project just be very skeptical about that group before you retweet their uh ads oh, yeah. about trump yeah they, they're all monsters yeah and i've seen a lot a lot of good faith liberals share it that like you know think that they're doing something by amplifying <laughs> this but don't because they suck and they're evil oh no they're they're horrible too and what I essentially did after like climbers like uh, tweets about how like Joe Rogan was bad for his like transphobic things was I just went through like real Rick Wilson and Ben Howe's account and just found every sort of tweet they had about like bathroom laws or of course yeah yeah it's, so uh, you were in but, a lot of battles today oh I to was be honest though we can't get too mad at Ben Howe because he just has incredible do- divorce dad energy. He got left at a Starbucks. That like, rule. Yeah, I mean, my Wait, tweet about it. Or is, my, is that what happened? My first wife left me at an Applebee's, and it took a really long time for me to be able to recover. <laughs> so I, I can relate to Ben Howe. Um, it took a lot of therapy and a lot of. Uh, I still yell randomly at parks. And did you at least wait for large gatherings to come out though? That's the that's the important thing there. Uh, oh, no comment <laughs> well yeah so great people at the lincoln project stop sharing their videos um donald trump's gonna diet coke fascism yeah it's bad yeah, the um, difference between them and trump is just the magnitude of the vulgarity in which they they dive into essentially mm-hmm. they, they all like to mad because there. like reagan had brain poisoning and at least like at least Trump's like semi funny. I know. Yeah, like um it, especially Charlotte Climber just ignoring Reagan's uh very um notable history during the AIDS epidemic. My favorite my favorite thing it's and and by favorite I mean my least favorite thing is is with Trump one of the worst side effects that we've gotten is this revisionist history of uh, the Republican Party and just the amount of ghouls that were there as if Reaganism and Bushism didn't lead directly to Trump. And mm-hmm. and we see all of their transgressions, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, Reagan pumping cocaine into neighborhoods and funding death squads and and the Iran-Contra affair and and completely ignoring the AIDS crisis. That's the one that really gets me. Is yeah. is right now in the middle of COVID that we've just uh, topped what is it three million uh, infections in in America yeah, three, and and 
you get a lot of resistance lib types who who would say something like reagan would never let this happen despite like how many tens of thousands of lives of hiv infected people in america died because of his negligence yeah i mean they're literally like the republican party as a whole's entire function just believes that government should do nothing or whatever or it should be bad so they have an excuse to make it do nothing or something like that or so, privatize it so your friends can get rich off of it and yeah they, right they see they see the only role of government being something to uh give themselves or this, their friends it's a method of giving them profit that's literally their entire that's the entire republican project and the democratic project is to uh you know do little cuts on their arms to get them to slow down um you know occasionally the entire democratic project is to appeal to the people who want government to do nothing yeah it sucks so bad um yeah reagan bush last thing about the tax cuts specifically with reagan and the just utter destruction of yeah Every bad thing we have now, you can draw a straight line back to Reagan. Yeah. From so, the politics of austerity, from military buildups with no accountability whatsoever, yeah. to essentially meddling in South and Central American affairs and essentially trying to commit coups against governments that really don't pose a threat to us at all. Yeah. And then uh, that well, and, and then the, the rehabilitation it, of Bush, like Greg oh, mentioned. Yeah. And it's, but it's, it's all of that you know, all of these terrible things and then facing almost no repercussions for that. And that's been the biggest reverberation. We saw that with the war in Iraq, nobody was prosecuted for like the horrendous war crimes. There's nobody hanging out in the Hague who was a part of the Bush administration. I think Scooter Libby got indicted, but never charged with anything. Yeah. He got indicted, but like never served like a single day in jail. Um, yeah. And like that goes, I mean, what was it day? However many of the Obama administration early on, they said, or even before he was probably inaugurated said like, are you going to look at, you know, holding any of them accountable? He said, no, this is time to look forward. And then just a few weeks ago, he was, or maybe last week, maybe day ago, I can't fucking tell time, but he was with Joe Biden and he was saying that like, you know, Trump is this lawless president who has no regard for the rule of law. Um, specifically drawing the contrast between him and George W. Bush, who definitely, in Obama's words, did rec- did respect the rule of law, which is just so fucking abhorrent and just um, cynical and evil to I don't even know what degree, but it's because Obama's guilty of um, similar crimes. Uh, well, and it's, it's Bush extra gross when you when you do a little bit bit of digging and you find out that joe biden was the chairman of the foreign uh, intelligence committee yep. during the iraq war and he was privy to the same intelligence as rumsfeld and carl and carl rove and cheney and bush and the rest of them yeah um if there if there were actually some levers of justice in this world anyone who propped up or voted for the Iraq war helped peddle it in the media would be in jail and prison and not be our uh, presidential nominee for the democratic party. But Hey, I don't make the rules. There's, I mean, there's a better, you can make a better argument that both Trump and Biden belong in the Hague than the Oval Office. Yep. Yeah. Don't worry though. All those ex Bush officials are all free to like sign off on shitty letters and Harper's. So. <laughs> yeah. The, the cooler one is the, as the, uh, um, the one that David Frum's in the one that started by Yasha Monk. I can't remember what the, Oh yeah. That's that sub stack. I can't remember the name of it. I too. can't remember. It's, some business. it's called like uh pre- preventionary or something. Yeah, it, it's some business like fake word that they use to mean something that means. Absolutely. Yeah. It's it, it's perfect. But, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's. Uh, so what's what's going on in Utah today? Let's bring us back a little focus oh. to home. Should we talk about Utah? <laughs> yeah. Let's let's talk about Utah. Oh, so we, we broke a to? record today, and that record was a new record for cases in uh, of coronavirus in Utah. We're now above seven hundred for the first time ever. When we had new like a high score. Yeah, we've yeah. Uh, we've unlocked an achievement in pandemic, so we're doing good. Yeah, so things are going great. Um, and we, I mean, since we last talked, I can't remember which day that was. It was the Fourth of July. 
Spencer Cox has been um, basically deemed next governor. Um, he won the presidential pri- or the, pre- the the gubernatorial primary against John Huntsman. So theoretically, Spencer Cox would be back to work on the whole coronavirus task force thing. But he said nothing today. He retweeted one thing about kind a kind reminder to wear a mask, and um, that's it. So. When we're thinking about who's uh, taking care of us during this uh, coronavirus crisis that we're having in Utah, and and we'll talk about our rankings in Utah, but um, it's come out that there's a certain special group of people who are steering our policy on COVID, and who's going to walk us through that? I will take that as well. Uh, So the Tribune, I think, on either Monday or Tuesday came out with an article that pretty much just said that Utah's COVID response especially on the logistics side is being carried out by consultants from the gold rat consulting company yes it's all great digging into a little bit more you kind of find out that this consulting company also has direct ties to the to Kristen cox who's also the governor's head of office management and budget for the entire state and apparently she loves telling everyone inside the state about it and also leads like conferences all over the state trying to get city governments to essentially buy into this buy into this like business theory that's being crafted by her for government as well oh yeah it's great like she's trying to be like an own domestic like mayor pete for everyone so it's just hand jobs under the table for everyone (laughs) no 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 well, actually, reading inside that article in the trip too, they, there was a couple like unnamed managers for the state who pretty much said, yeah, if we attend these conferences, we usually got a better better deal when it came to budget time. Awesome. So it's like the timeshare meeting whenever I like book a hotel out of the country. Yeah, you it get that free gift. <laughs> so apparently the theory that they're, they're talking about for all this is, is something called the theory of constraints. So I'm going to talk you through the very complex God. nature of it. This. It really is like consulting our way through a pandemic, which is just so fucking gross. It's, it's office space if it was mixed with outbreak. Oh my God. Okay. Take, take us <laughs> so, through. Take us through the theory of constraints. Theory of constraints means that you look through your entire flow of operations and look for bottlenecks and then take out the bottlenecks. That's it. Cool. A five-year-old could have crafted this, but no. Instead, we have this consultant group that gets paid, that's gotten paid about four million since about 2015. Just to, to do teach. that. That's oh, really yeah. great. Oh, that's yeah. and really it, cool. They also have their hands in like the prison re, uh, the prison movement over by the Great Salt Lake. They also have their hands in like higher education. They also had to have their hands in like reorganizing the DMV and also the retirement system they have everywhere because this person yeah this uh kristen cox just loves this system so much it's her secret amazing amazing boys i really don't know what you're complaining about because i'm super stoked to live in the state of utah brought to you by mckinsey and company it's so good they're leading us um (laughs) it's incredible though like think about how craven it is when you have someone talk about business-centric strategies for government it's anyone i think i think we mentioned this last time anytime somebody talks about running government like a business or like people are the consumers or customers or shareholders or whatever just you're you're in for a fucking bad time like it's not going to be good for you unless you uh, are very rich and that's that's about it it's bad and shitty for everyone else. Um, so yeah, these are the the incredible people that are guiding us through our um, COVID situation. Um, in which I wanted to bring up that if all the United States were individually rated as countries for their coronavirus current situation, um, the top five, I think four of the uh, we got Arizona, Florida, South Carolina, and Bahrain are the top four if, if states are treated as countries for coronavirus um, cases per million people. Sheesh. And on this list, globally, Utah is 22nd. We're right in between um, Brazil and Chile, who come right after us. And <laughs> also Greece. I, I learned this in a tweet today. that Greece has 11 million people. Utah has 3 million people. Utah has more deaths than Greece. Greece has only 193, and I think we broke 200 today. 
So yeah, I think great. that was a, a John Saltis tweet, right? It was. It was a, yeah. He's shout a good out man. to John Saltis. Shout, shout out to John Saltis. So yeah. I, I believe in this state. <laughs> I think we can over overtake Bolsonaro. <laughs> Bolsonaro, okay. Yeah. King well, King Bolsonaro. I mean, if if COVID doesn't finally take Bolsonaro out before Dude. we get there, right? You know, yeah. as I, I famously said. As I famously said multiple times, and you guys can vouch for me, the seventh time's the charm. It, it truly is. So Jair Bolsonaro, president of Brazil, has tested positive for coronavirus for I think the fourth or fifth time at this point. So, <laughs> the man's so like he's been dying. He's, for like he six looks months. like shit, dude. No he's one's looking a, more like shit. COVID, he's got a COVID card. By the time he hits a dozen, he gets the thirteenth free. Dude. It really does. And he, he's looked like shit forever. He's looked like he's dying forever. So the, the, the boy Bolsonaro pops out of the hospital after being put in there for coronavirus again. And he's being interviewed by TV in Brazil and he's not wearing a mask. And they're like, should you be wearing a mask? And he said, masks are for faggots. This is a man who also famously said he'd rather his son be dead than gay. And is uh, good friends with our president, uh, Donald Trump. Although I think Trump recently unfollowed him on Twitter, which I'm sure is breaking Bolsonaro's heart. But yeah. Bolsonaro, um, traditional neo-fascist from Brazil and uh, really good guy. So that's that's who we're barely missing out on. They're 21st in the world. Utah is 22nd. Um, but we're really, we're really uh, neck and neck right there with the uh, masks are for uh, insert very homophobic slur term here. Oh. You know, yeah, we're really rising up the rank. We're like the blue chip kid in the NBA draft who nobody really knew. He was like a stash, stash away guy who played in Slovenia. Yes. And then all of a sudden, uh, the NBA guys are he's like, not, oh, he's going to be a first round pick. Yeah, we're like a we're like a two star prospect that got picked up by Marquette and then just like grew six inches. Yeah, That's exactly. us. That's Utah. <laughs> um, so really, I think... Um, I think the, the the what's so fucking sick about this, I was like watching, I was talking to Greg about this earlier, but MLS is back. And like before the first MLS game back of the MLS is back tournament, there was like a big, like um, big long ESPN promo of all the sports that used to happen. And like they're this voiceover that's talking about how, um, you know, like sports are back and it's been such a long In journey. In a world yeah, but where like, we have sports. Dude, but then when you look at our coronavirus cases as a country who we are having a second gigantic peak of the from the first wave, we're at like breaking new records of over 50, 55, 60,000 cases a day and every other country is just flatlined at the bottom. And isn't, so the MLS tournament like the NBA is in florida right yeah it's in a bubble in florida and, uh as of what was it in there was a tweet that came out with some statistics on sunday that said uh that there were forty thousand cases alone over a four-day period in florida yeah the last day being sunday mm-hmm. yep one MLS team has already dropped out of the tournament uh, after having 10 coronavirus cases. Another team has nine as of today. So, um, <laughs> But we're going to pull this off. Yeah, all of this to say, like, this shit really didn't have to be this bad. Um, and when we think about why this is bad, it's because this is a uniquely poisoned country, but all from the same capitalistic vein that values none of us at all. Um, none other of this than the What were the humans called? Uh, human stock capital, I think that's what... Yeah. what human yeah, capital that's, stock that, that, that's how they see us too none of this had to happen like we yeah. could have just followed a lot of european countries trend and just essentially went to like a temporary command economy and just aid everyone to stay home so yep. don't worry about your it's, job don't worry about you know, fucking that. easy it is give everyone two thousand dollars a month for every adults stay at home yeah that's it that, that's, that's what, what every other actual country that has a functioning democracy relatively uh, did like my cousins in Italy I was just talking to them because they had it really bad at first they're still getting paid like there you have it they are there are barely any cases there now and they're still getting paid partially to stay at home by it directly from the government because when they they didn't do gigantic corporate bailouts they didn't like 
sneak in some like unemployment stuff to go along with those gigantic corporate bailouts. They just actually uh, helped people fucking live. So we're just a deeply poisoned country to the extent that I don't see the federal government as being like a, as being like a entity that will have much power in like 50 years. Like I I see like confederations of states just banding together, just kind of like, treating like the u.s like we treat the u.n did this not just prove that like we cannot fucking do anything like i don't oh, like, we literally can't do anything no we no. can't everything in this country is completely broken and all the way up to like decision making and the ability to agree with one another mm-hmm. like we can't even agree in this country that like a pandemic is happening there's yeah. still a large swath of the population who thinks that COVID is just nothing more than like the common cold. Yeah. And like, yeah. And an entire TV networks that go along right with that too and reinforce everyone's belief. There was like somebody shared the clip of Tucker Carlson back at the end of March um, saying like, of course masks work. That's why doctors and nurses wear masks. Like why would they not work? Like we should be wearing masks. They should be mandating masks. And then now saying that like masks are scientifically proven to do nothing. Like this is just, it's a reinforcing belief. That's just over and over again. We are the most cucked nation on earth. People are fucking grateful for this. For some reason I was in an argument with some random and Ben McAdams replies today because he tweeted, he's tweeted like 50 times about companies misusing money from the PPP, which I get, yeah, that's fucking annoying, but he is way more upset about that than like anything else, including what I brought up, healthcare first, and somebody was arguing with me about how we need our for-profit healthcare system um, for some fucking reason. But his secondly, like uh, the insane amount of evictions that are happening this month because people couldn't pay their fucking rent, because people couldn't go to their fucking jobs, because people didn't get any help from the government almost at all. So um, we have what greg is deemed an eviction tsunami i believe um and this shit is gonna get so bad so the dissonance like when i was talking about that commercial on espn about sports being back and the cases going to 50 60 000, the dissonance that like we have as americans i like how is this just not like traumatizing everyone forever that like they're straight up saying okay 140,000 americans have died of coronavirus okay um, we're just gonna have to learn to live with it. We see, and looking at any other country on earth, um, you know, just ignore them. We had it worse than them because now there's, there's coronavirus conspiracies that they're purposely inflating the death count or whatever. It's just fucking ridiculous. Like in people, I don't, the American brain is so fucking sick, like sickly and just anemic that people demand so little for themselves that they can't even they they say patriotism but what is that their patriotism is based on like fucking war and killing people in the middle east it's not about caring about your fellow americans because if people did we wouldn't have 140,000 fucking dead people right now it's it's insane it's war and consumption that's the two things that we're known for it's indoctrination yeah like, how is patriotism, how is there zero solidarity in what they say is patriotism? Like, what the fuck does it really mean to be an American? Any, if, you, if you say anything bad about it, then you hate America and you should leave. And if it, only it were so easy. But, like, it's just insane. Like, I, it makes me fucking sick. I've argued with so many dumbasses on Twitter during this stretch of this pandemic. And the goalposts were always moving. Oh, my God, only 140,000? Like, we initially heard 2 million. So this is, this is way better. Even though we look at other countries and it's not that, it's, that's not the fucking case, dude. We just demand so little for ourselves. We are all just so happy, you know, paying fucking private insurance companies to kill us over and over again. But, no, we can't have, can't have it government. It goes back to that, uh, that quote that we opened the show with last week about how thoroughly indoctrinated yeah. and propagandized uh, Americans are um, while also being like just blindly patriotic. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's that way. It's been that way for centuries. Uh, I, mean, I mean, really since like the induction 
of this country yeah. and it's only gotten worse we, we not the inception but the inception of this country yeah and there's always been that like exceptionalism but not only i don't know when that exceptionalism turned into demanding so little for themselves like the complete dismantling of labor unions in this country i think we talked about like what percentage of people would actually know what it's like to w- work in a union i probably never will um yeah and but like like we're stuck with no one has pensions. It's all 401ks, which uh fucking awful idea. Um, it, like, which, like, I don't, yeah. Which, because at the snap of, of a finger, like it, you can lose everything. Like we absolutely. saw that in the financial crisis. We saw that we've seen it recently. Like people have lost tens of, but, and hundreds when the of stock market fucking crashed, 401ks yeah. because it's all based on a stock market. That's incredibly volatile. It's a fraudulent market. Yeah. So I don't know when that flip switched and like people started demanding so little or didn't give a shit anymore. I don't know if it was the boomers after World War II or or what, but like that mindset. To bring it back to our previous uh, conversation, it kind of goes back all the way to Reagan. Mm -hmm. Like when he got up there and said like, the scariest words to hear are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. And ever yeah. since then, like people have started doing this entire like individualistic thing that like, government yeah. doesn't work, welfare doesn't work, social security is gonna go broke, the post office yeah. is slow, the DMV is slow, all these things. Government doesn't function because we don't allow government to function. Yeah. It's fucking disgusting. So I don't know if there's ever any reversion of this or what it's going to take. We talked earlier about how like with, with the Lincoln Project, like that's what the Democratic Party is going to look like next year the year if if joe biden wins and a lot of these people who joe biden already said he would be consider having a republican vp like it's going to get dragged to the right until there has to, until there's going to be an actual labor party split and i don't know what can force that to happen especially in like a non-parliamentary system but like god damn like it's not the solution's not going to be through the democratic party but like it's uh yeah, yeah. anyway I mean, when, the, when the overton window has shifted to, to like having to choose between like far right nationalism and like moderate right centrism. Like what, what do you do? It's just like, you know, it's like choosing syphilis or AIDS. Like you're both going to, you're going to die from either one of them. One of them is just going to be a little bit more painful and probably happen a little sooner. It's the Joe Biden saying uh, we should turn, we should teach cops, cops to shoot people in the leg instead of the heart. In the leg, the, yeah. The Democratic exactly. Party is the sh- party of shooting in the fucking leg instead of the heart. And, um, and it's I, worse. Like I think, and I personally think we should be able to do the the two step of of casting a vote. Too many people, I in my opinion, have fought for the right to be franchised. That like. I think there's nothing people would like the, the the powers that be. There's nothing they'd like more than for people to not vote. So I think we need to be able to just like exercise a right to vote and then talk shit and uh, do whatever we can to organize outside of electoral politics. Because Jesus, dude, the fact that we are seriously sitting here with Joe Biden against uh, Donald Trump is just in, it's exceptional. They so. somehow found the one presidential candidate that was t- more to the right and than hillary clinton yeah so <laughs> that's great yeah it, it rules so tying this back um we were talking about the evictions that are taking place this month um we at one point had an eviction moratorium in utah but it was specifically for people who lost their jobs because of the coronavirus um and also um there was a moratorium uh, that lasted until May 15th and he did not renew or extend that moratorium. So people here are going to be, um, are going to be evicted and won't have any protections, even though all this was completely out of their control. Um, Nationwide I've seen. uh, Avoidable. Yeah. Yeah, It's it's completely completely avoidable. avoidable. But nationwide I'm seeing that we might see levels of up to like 10% homelessness just because of this. I don't, I don't know why they're like pushing this as hard as they can too, especially because I don't know what kind of money you're going to make off of empty apartment buildings, but sure. Why not? Uh, again, didn't have to be this hard. You pay people to stay home. You pay, you, you cancel rent, which means you also cancel, cancel mortgages. And so no one has to pay anything for a freezed time period, but we didn't do any of that shit. There was never any of that. There was, it was patched together at the state level or at the county level sometimes. 
And yeah, now we are going to see, yeah, if, if we thought homeless, homelessness levels were bad prior to all of this, which they were, um, it's bad. And a lot of this honestly is the decision making of these landlords. Like you mentioned, there's like, is what's the value in an empty apartment building? A lot of these places like in New York, like landlords did get a moratorium on mortgages, but there was never an actual moratorium on rent as well, which is fucking disgusting. So they could still be defend or demanding rent despite not even having to pay their own mortgages. So landlords, great, great people. And in Utah too, we are a service-based economy like hotels, restaurants, most of our, I mean, most of our economy is pretty much based around tourism at this point too. Yeah. The literal billion dollar industry in the States. And and COVID's fucked all that. Yeah. Like you're not going to, you're not going to have any of this, but I was kind of researching this a little bit too. And I found the absolute worst quote I've ever seen in the desert news talking about evictions going up. And it's from, and it's from a guy who is in charge of a, of a essentially a landlord association. Uh, it, it, it made me mad. I had to walk away from my computer for a little bit when I saw it, but here it is. It's, it is not appropriate for someone to take advantage of a housing provider by staying and not paying Smith from apartment association. I forget his first name. I think it's like Robert, who cares? The guy's an asshole. Get on unemployment, apply for a housing voucher, find someone to move in with, look into homeless shelters. He said, while many landlords are trying to work with tenants, it should ultimately fall to the government, family or friends, nonprofits or churches to step in. Plus, Smith said, most of the money paid towards rent actually go towards upkeep and paying Uh paying the mortgage. The profit, about nine cents on the dollar, goes to seniors who rely on that income for their retirement or to owners who feed their families from their rental business. It's not fat cat investors who are rich and can do without. Amazing. That is some of the most that's the biggest pile of bullshit I've ever seen in my life. What does it take to run an apartment building? I rent. I don't see my landlord all that often. I don't know what he does with my, with my rent. I pay every single month. Yeah. No, you count your money, you pay your mortgage, you pay your, your maintenance guy and like write an eviction notice every now and again, if somebody like plays their stereo too loud, that's it. Yeah. So things continually are getting worse. We're so now no longer do we have these uh, moratoriums on evictions um, and people are being forced to go back to work. And um, the big thing right now is talking about schools and whether schools are reopening um, in about a month's time, I think was when the first school started opening, especially in Utah, they open early. So we have some full full years, year round schools. Um, uh, Governor Herbert has explicitly said that he's continually planning on uh, schools opening next month. And um, it's a hot topic right now, specifically be, like with Donald Trump and the right wing right now, think talking about um, there's like schools, there's threats of uh, the Fed not funding schools if they don't open next month. But Trump tweeted in Germany, Denmark, Norway, Sweden, and many other countries, schools are open with no problems. The Dems think it would be bad for them politically if U.S. schools open before the November election, but it is important for the children and the families. May cut off funding if not open. The, probably the important piece there is that um, I think Norway yet today had 10 cases, if I remember correctly, 10 cases. Um, let's see. So the countries he mentioned, Germany had 298 cases yesterday. Denmark, 10, Norway, 11, Sweden, 59, United States, 555,442. Like the dumb fucking right wing is so like, come on, we don't live. There are countries that are kicking this thing's ass a lot better uh, or just at all. And we're not. Yeah. And there's a, there's a tweet that has kind of made the rounds um, on Utah Twitter where a guy named Tab Edson did some digging and found out that the Canyon School District in Utah has started their tentative plans for K through 12 learning in the fall. And part of these tentative plans includes template letters for the death of a student or teacher. Mm. We, we, we live if you want to look at it, I've, I've retweeted the tweet. Yeah. It's, uh, it's on my page. You can go and look at it. But yeah, like, again, we're just, we're just, 
as a country just completely giving up on COVID. And now like learning to live with it includes templatizing letters, uh, announcing the death of a student or a teacher or a member of the, the work, the maintenance staff, like that's just, that's the new normal. So instead of like doing any sort of due diligence to try to curb this virus, mm-hmm. we're just, we're just kicking the can down the road and just like accepting mass casualties. We live in a fucking Paul Verhoeven movie at this point. Like this is yeah. Robocop. It's fucking and, disgusting. And and the other part of like Trump's, Trump's tweet was he also talked about how like the CDC guidance was too expensive and we just can't do it. Which means we're just surrendering. We're just like, go back into the classroom. Like, and also school districts here are talking about too, like, well, we can try and like socially distance. So that, how the fuck are you going to socially distance with a class of 35 students? You can't, dude. Our classes are already overpacked. Teachers are already paid way too little. And there's like no funding for schools. So. Well, and I can speak as the, uh, the resident parent of this, <laughs> yeah. this podcast um, and trying to like, you know, live some sort of like normal life, you know, like I was running errands uh, this last weekend with, with my toddler, my two-year-old and we bought him masks and we've tried to be careful with him. And like the biggest struggle with him is just trying to keep a mask on like a small child is next to impossible you know, I had a talk with my wife about it afterwards. and was like, I just can't bring him along with me during this anymore because it's just not safe. Yeah. And to try to like extrapolate that out to like multiple children in a daycare or a preschool or anything like that, like it's absolutely impossible and asinine to think that it can be pulled off. Yeah. Yeah. It, and like the kids can share like like uh it's 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 been mentioned that kids don't get it or they don't experience a lot of the same symptoms that adults do but they can pass it and they can be carriers and there are older teachers there's older staff there's tons of people that work at schools that are a lot more susceptible that can be spreading it Mm -hmm. through kids to their families back at home like you can't be sending it's just insane it's just a petri dish of disaster Think about how much staff goes into a school, like I know. teachers, administrators, janitors, lunch servers, bus drivers, aides. Every single one of those people is someone who could get the illness either from home and bring it into the school or get it from the school and take it somewhere else. Yeah. What you're going to have is you're going to have a centralized location that can just become a super spreader event. And you're going to have multiple of these in pretty much every city in the country. Yeah. And it, it, it's amazing, too. It's amazing because the only reason they want to do this is because is because they think that if we get kids in school, then people will go back to work yep. because yeah, they don't have to take care of kids. That, that, that responsibility is taken off their chest. They don't have to worry about it. But all this is, is pretty much just saying like, ah, the economy is more important. It's more important than your children's lives. It's more important than your lives. It's more important than your parents' lives. It's more important yep. than your grandparents' lives. doesn't matter. You have to die for, for the economy. You have to be cast, a, you have to be cast a flame inside Moloch just so we can get the number to go up a little more. It's it's aggravating to the point. Of, <laughs> How do we know? It's, it's traumatizing, dude. How the fuck does anyone like so many people have died? And like, think about I mean, it's it's like trite, but like comparing it to like 9-11 or like any of like our major wars or anything like that. Like, we're probably gonna hit two hundred thousand dead people by this fall. <laughs> like and, and, and what the ratings are going like yeah we could hit that by yeah yeah by like early september yeah if we if we peak in icu beds in places like florida and texas we're gonna get we're gonna hit a quarter of a million probably by like three weeks i just it's just asinine that this can just be that this is just has to move back into the background like and meanwhile uh brought up a few times but sports are starting up again um I guess <laughs> like real monarchs were trying to have a game in front of fans. 5,300 fans is what they're capping it at next week or the week after. Um, <laughs> because not only is that just a bad idea in general to get that many people together, but to send the message that it's okay. Or that like, that we should be going back to normal. Like I don't understand how 
somebody could be that irresponsible uh, by thinking that's a good idea. Well, when you're Deloitte Hanson and you just want to recoup money, I guess it makes sense. But like, how can we be expected to go back to normal when we're just like watching these death numbers just go up and up and up and up? And that's the miscalculation. They don't factor in. Do they? They think that if we just ignore coronavirus, it'll just magically make the economy go better. Yeah. Like, 200,000, 250,000, 300,000 dead somehow won't affect like the economy. Like somehow, like if we just open up all these things, people will go. If we open up movie theaters, people will go see movies. If we open up malls, yeah. people will go to malls. If we open up big shot, big box stores, people will go. It doesn't matter to them. They just think it's just cause and effect. If we open yeah. it up, it will happen. Oh, yeah. I mean, that really is the calculation. And that's why I think Donald Trump is going to lose. And like now, and then Joe Biden's going to be the person overseeing the recovery from this thing again, which I can't imagine which we how still far. haven't experienced like the full blowback. Oh no, absolutely not. Like, we're just, we're just, I mean, the crack, the cracks are in the foundation, but the, the house still hasn't fallen down yet. Oh, absolutely not. But I mean, that, they are, they've artificially, they've artificially, yeah, they've artificially inflated things enough to where like, they can pretend like it's not happening. And then as more and more people die and I like small businesses are completely fucked. Like Jordan was mentioning, just because something's open doesn't mean people are going. I like, I, I don't know. And if they're not getting help from the government because supposedly things are back to normal, then what are all these businesses going to do? Like <clears throat> that these have cascading effects that are just going to be like months and months down the road. But like, I don't know. You go on Amazon's job site right now and there's like 60,000 job openings for Amazon. Like that's like, this is like the future of that, that corporate consolidation. And I think we're going to theoretically, assuming there's some like faction of a society left at some point that where we can look back, but like that we saw, this was like one of the greatest examples of corporate wealth and consolidation, like in the history of this country, probably, well, at this point it definitely is worse than the OA bailout. This was just like, there's going to be so many fucked people, regular working people and small businesses that people tend to say, tend to say they care so much about that are just going to be fucking dead. So, you know, you know, boys, uh, I think this is a lesson in just because I may not agree with someone doesn't mean that I can't be happy for their new opportunity. So, I mean, and this is Bain Capital's time to shine. So, Hats off to them. I hope they do a bang up job just liquidating the entire com- country. Yep. As someone who already uh, got looted by a private equity firm this um, during this coronavirus, I think that's uh, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of fun um, trying to make sense of all this mess down the road and see how many you know private equity firms or whatever else gobbled everyone up. Yep. We're gonna see a bunch of bust outs. I think before too long. And of of course, that's what's going to be too. It's going to be private equity firms coming in, acquiring things, running up the credit in the place, and then just selling it off piece by piece, and then just calling it. Yeah. Which, which, by the way, is a mafia tactic that was mm-hmm. just somehow just adopted by private finance because, of course, it was. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I think yeah. So, oh, it's, uh, when you said mafia tactic, it got me thinking about ICE for some reason. Wonder why, but like. Um, thinking about sports this fall and like college sports this fall about how ice is, uh, trying to deport any, any international student who's going to a school that's, uh, going to full remote this fall. So that's super great. Um, so colleges that are happening this fall or is college football happening? I don't really, I've been Uh, following college sports. Ivy league, the Ivy league just canceled their fall seat fall athletics. So Mm -hmm. That might be the first domino of the fall. I really don't see college football happening in the fall. No way. Didn't okay. Morehouse cancel their season as well? Probably. But yeah, I, I believe that you're was. Gonna start, that was yeah, you're going to start seeing these these schools one by one just cancel seasons. And yeah. the effect that's going to have on scheduling and all that too will just lead to the whole thing. Just either getting canceled or the other thing I was thinking about was like having them play in the spring, which would be interesting. Like they'd kick off in like December and bowl games would be in May. Which would yeah. be amazing. Dude, I honestly really don't know. Yeah, that like summary bowl games would be way better. Um, but I was thinking like, I don't know when potentially like a lot of those things are gonna come back, like um big gatherings like that. I was thinking about college basketball, but like 
I have a friend who uh, is like a touring musician for like his job and they're not planning on booking shows until next spring at the earliest, but I don't even know, like thinking about going in a venue, like with a packed venue with a lot of people, like, I don't know when that's going to be a thing that like people feel comfortable doing. Dude, I like, I don't, I have zero desire. As long as there's any coronavirus cases, I'm not going into any situation like that. Absolutely not. Yeah. Until there's a vaccine. Yeah. yeah, I can even with all the problems for how many people aren't going to believe in a vaccine. Yeah, because it was made by uh, Bill Gates. And that's the and that's the problem too is like unless you ha- talk ninety percent of the population and take the vaccine, it's going to just be worthless because the virus will just mutate and spread again. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah. Guys, <laughs> I think we might have to move out of this country. <laughs> oh man um yeah so like more sports what's going on with so the jazz the jazz got to orlando our boys our beautiful mountain boys they got to orlando did any jazz players sit out does i don't even know uh oh no one's sitting out i believe but boyan bogdanovich is not playing because he broke his wrist yeah he got he got surgically repaired so he's done but yeah more power to him yeah, so all the NBA players are getting to Orlando. Uh, I mentioned that MLS has already started down there, and each league has their prospective bubbles. And I don't, no teams I think have dropped out of the NBA one. I think they have fewer cases than the MLS one so far. They've been down there longer though. Um, I kind of can't believe they're going through with this. <laughs> I, I mean, I shouldn't I be mean, surprised. I can, but I, I can, but I can't. But it also just goes back to the profits over people thing i know i know and i there's too much money on the table to just walk away i know and like they're forcing players and the nba in particular into a like a really like fucking shitty situation because so if players are injured and they're not they can't go they're getting they're getting paid and uh that's all good and, and great if the teams so eight teams i think didn't make the final tournament thing or whatever that they're doing in orlando um, eight of those teams, I think they all get paid for the rest of the season. That's fine. But if you are on a team that's going to Orlando, but you don't feel safe enough to go, or like you're more concerned about your family, if you if you say personal reason, then you don't get paid. So if you want money during this time, um, you have to go. Last time I heard, though, they were going to take those last eight teams and like ship them to Chicago so they can still play like some sort of NIT. Are they really? Yeah, last I heard, it was like oh they were playing on just like U8, just go to Chicago instead. Oh, God, dude. What a nightmare. So I don't know if this is going to, like, if they're going to go through with the whole thing. I think the MLS one is going to be dead soon, even though they theoretically have a whole tournament and season planned out. Um, But, yeah, yeah, man, it's shitty. Like, players are being put in a really bad situation right now. And the thing that really scares me the most, and it's it's a lot like the school situation, is that it takes a lot more than just players yeah. for this for this uh, for the season to be able to go on. You have training staff and coaches mm-hmm. and people who work in TV and people who work at the venues cleaning things up, and a Preparing lot of those the food are those going guys, to be yeah. uh, exposed and more vulnerable than an elite athlete. Yep. And the thing that, you know, I've talked to some people online about this that has me the the most scared, the most anxious, and that is we still don't know the long-term effects of COVID-19. Yep. And like there have been reports and 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 testimonials of the people who have caught the disease and gotten sick and then four or five months down the road are still experiencing symptoms and haven't fully recovered and have lifelong lung damage and just imagine what would happen if you know a star like a young star nba player a a trey young a luka Doncic, gets covid and gets irreparable lung damage and has yeah. to retire early yeah and yeah I know, like I you said that is the situation but yeah, like, no 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 that is like we've seen it's like still a huge worry yeah we don't we this is a very new virus and it might be vascular instead of respiratory and we've seen it have kidney damage lung damage and people experiencing the same they are considered recovered so like when you see recovered for any government that releases recovered that actually means 
that the person uh, didn't die three weeks after they were diagnosed with it. So that means if, if they're, if they're out of the hospital and they didn't die, they're considered recovered. Um, so there's all these people who are considered re recovered, but like Greg said, we don't know what the actual long-term effects are. So like, yeah, I think it can't, I, I don't know, depending on what happens, this could honestly, we could be looking back at this as just like one of the most egregious mistakes ever for these like sports leagues to go through with it. But I don't know. We'll see. We've already had players' families die from this virus. So, like, you know. Yeah, Carl Anthony Towns' mom died. Yep. So, I don't know, man. It's shitty. This is, like, <laughs> this is so depressing. Everything, it just sucks, man. It really does. Everything's bad, folks. Know. You guys know the story of uh, Christy Mathewson? No, tell us. So, Christy Mathewson is a Hall of Fame pitcher for, for the New York Giants back in, like, the 90s. 19 teens and early 1920s he was he joined the army during world war one and he was at the prime of his career had everything going for him he was just going out to serve essentially and he was exposed to mustard gas in a training exercise scarred his lungs forever he wasn't able to pitch anymore and he was dead by 1925 and i i I kind of think that you're going to see situations like this too, because mm -hmm. we don't know the long-term effects of COVID and we don't know what it'll do to an athlete who is at the prime of their conditioning too. might do nothing like it did for, like it did for like Donovan Mitchell, but yeah. at the same point too, it could ruin people's careers and their lives. And is it really worth it to play like meaningless basketball for two months? No, I don't think it is. I think the only, I think what I'm seeing, I think if, if we weren't in such an important cultural moment with like the Black Lives, Matter, Black Lives Matter movement, we probably wouldn't see as much participation as we are because I think there are a lot of players who are using this as an opportunity to like share a message for something they believe in. Um, and I think some feel like that cultural responsibility. I don't know. Yeah. And overall, I don't know if it's, I, I don't think it's worth it to have these games at all because I don't think the league has these players' best interest in mind. But I think for some of the players, I think there some are using it this moment as a way to share that message. But I think it's a, a way to look at it too is just from like a basketball standpoint too. Like whoever wins this championship is just going to be tarnished. Like it's not going to be a real championship, no yeah, matter what they no, do. It's, it's asterisk laden for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like if you have like replacement players playing the entire time. Yeah. Too. Real players didn't want to come back, so we just got a bunch of guys who are playing overseas, and they played like thirty games, and then we just crowned well, the champion. Look at the like the Brooklyn Nets have like half their roster out. Yeah, they signed <laughs> uh, who was it? Michael Beasley and Jamal Crawford today. That's right. Yeah, yeah, man. I the only thing I would like if there is an asterisk, I hope it's like people remind remembering like player solidarity at that point like if they're like because i know the players union is supposedly has been pretty good through all this and like kind of holding a line that they'll do like what the leaders feel comfortable or whatever or like what players feel comfortable with so hopefully that's what it's remembered as not like i mean it is meaningless of course but like i don't know i hope that they can now that they're doing it they can find some positive in it after it's all over assuming it actually continues and actually happens so not to be a kind of to bring it up a little bit from bummer town, essentially take us, take us back. <laughs> Who do you think the first player is going to pick the bubble is going to be? And why do you think it's J.R. Smith? <laughs> it's gotta be J.R. Dude. Oh. Hey baby. Anything is possible. I know he's, he's, he's going to get on Tinder or something for like Orlando and just start messaging people. Like you think you can sneak into Disney world? Dude. <laughs> You, is you trying to get the magical kingdom? Is Jamal Crawford a party guy? I don't know. I mean, he might be a little too old because, like, I was thinking about <laughs> would sign a contract just to go down to Corona Bubble, but like, I don't know, man. Nah, I mean, man, Jamal Crawford's just a straight up hooper. Like that guy just wants chill. to go and play ball, dude. He's that's so all, good. that's all he wants to do. He's not I, in it for the extracurriculars. That's that's just like Jamal Crawford is the embodiment of Bala's life. He's so good. But also judging by like the food portions they've been feeding these guys too. I think Zion oh. Williamson's probably going to be the first over the fence. Dude, that's so good. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. Yeah, there's going to be a game there called Is It COVID or Diarrhea? <laughs> Dude. Okay. Like, these guys have just been subsisting off of $12 churros. What are they doing? <laughs> oh, man. When's the first game on Earth, boys? Yeah. When is the first Happiest game supposed place to be? on Earth. I think for this tournament, they should really just like craft a trophy instead of just like the standard like championship trophy just get like a golden version of like walt disney's frozen head oh man that family guy bit so okay july 30th is the first game we have the first game jazz versus pelicans so um yeah i guess we'll be looking forward to that but uh yeah should we should we call it you guys want to come over and watch it Yes, I've got, I've a, got a three-person couch. We don't have the distance. Let's get everyone over. Let's 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 party at your place. Watch the first party game. at Greg's. That's awesome. It really is. Should we call it a night, boys? Any 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 parting thoughts? Um, I'm really excited about zombie basketball. I think this is going to be a great thing. <laughs> no one's going to just like immediately just regret and talk about for years afterwards. Going to go, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Uh, Greg, any parting words, my friend? Dudes rock 2020. They do. And uh, here's the hoping uh, Bolsonaro dies of coronavirus this time. Adios. Parody redacted. <laughs>